Hey there, friend. Listen, I want to invite you to join me for an upcoming presentation I'm offering called How to Shift from Willpower to Want Power. If you're tired of feeling like you have the best of intentions with food and weight, only to have it all fall by the wayside by the time your head hits the pillow at night, then this is for you. If you're interested in making permanent weight loss easier and less of a struggle, then this is for you. If you're curious what want power is, which you probably should be, and can't wait to learn how to incorporate it into your journey toward peace and freedom around food, then this is for you. I'll be presenting live twice on Wednesday, May 1st, 2024, at both noon and 7.30 p.m. Central Time Zone. I'll answer your questions live and we'll have a really good time together. But if you can't make either of those days, I'm not going to make you get a replay emailed into your inbox only for it to get lost and never be watched no matter how deeply you want to make time to go through it. Because I mean, honestly, who are we kidding? (laughs) We've all done this, including me. No, instead, we are offering multiple watch parties for several days after the live presentation. So come watch the replay with other doctors and interact in the chat with them and my team. So either way, whether you come live or to a watch party, it will be worth your time for sure. All you have to do is register at katrinaubellmd.com forward slash want power. That's katrinaubellmd.com forward slash w-a-n-t-p-o-w-e-r. See you there. You are listening to the Weight Loss for Busy Physicians podcast with Katrina Ubel, MD, episode number 24. This is Weight Loss for Busy Physicians, the podcast where busy doctors like you get the practical solutions and support you need to permanently lose the weight and feel better so that you can have the life you want. This is the resource you've been looking for to guide you on the journey to overcome your stress eating and exhaustion and move into freedom around food. Here's your host, Dr. Katrina Ubel. Hey there, my friend. Welcome back to the podcast. Today is another special guest podcast. I'm super excited to have Susie Rosenstein on my podcast because she coaches women on issues that I'm telling you, I think probably every resident and attending physician deals with maybe a lot, maybe all the time, maybe just sometimes what she calls it is a midlife funk. So she is a master certified life coach. She has a master's degree in applied social psychology. And she says she knows firsthand what it's like to be in a midlife funk. So in her coaching practice, she helps frustrated working women who are feeling stagnant, like their life is passing them by. And so she helps them get clear about what they want, help them to start taking action and to create a life they can get excited about. And so I I think there's going to be so many of you who are really going to resonate with her message and what she talks about. So many of us are just kind of like, we just don't know. It's just this underlying dissatisfaction. We can't quite put our finger on it, thinking things should be better than they are, but we don't really know why. And we just think that 
we have a good life. (laughs) We have nothing to complain about, you know, when you compare us to other people. So I think this is going to be really, really a great message for you guys this week. I do just want to mention too that Susie and I had some technical difficulties on the first time that we recorded this interview. And so we had to record it again and we decided to do it at night. I thought I would do it when my kids were in bed. And I told my husband to just not try to do the dishes or run water or anything just so that we didn't have a lot of extra noise. So as Susie and I are recording, I just hear him like moving around and water. And we live in this old house, 1930s house. So our hardwood floors can be pretty squeaky. And I'm just like, sitting there in my head, I'm just like, okay, well, there might be some squeaks. Like, I don't know, I guess he just, you know, had to get up or whatever. So anyway, we finish up. And he comes around the corner. He's like, I've been cleaning up puke for the last 45 minutes. I was like, oh my God. He goes, I've been like ninja silent considering what I've been doing. And I was like, okay, yep, totally. You can totally have made any sound that you needed to make if you were the one who was handling that. I swear I talk about this stuff all the time. You guys must think my children are sick constantly. And that's probably because I feel like over the last six months, they have been sick constantly. (laughs) So if you're feeling that I am too, (laughs) what is going on? I'm telling you, I think it's just school and all these exposures and everything. So, so anyway, if you hear some squeaking or some little extra noises, that is him bless his heart doing that hard work so that I could, I could record this podcast. All right, you guys enjoy the interview and I will talk to you next week. Take care. Hi, Susie. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. How are you? Oh, I'm great. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you on here. You are seriously the first person I thought of when I thought of having people come on the podcast because I know that what you have to offer is going to be exactly what my listeners need to hear. And so super excited to talk to you today and just have you give us all of your insight into what it's like to be midlife and to be working toward not being stuck. So what I want to start with, though, is you telling us your story, how you became a coach, your background, your family background, all of that stuff. Okay. Well, I, I am thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. I was always fascinated by human behavior, you know, why we do what we do. I remember being a little girl and sitting on the school bus being deep in thought, thinking, I don't think I'm normal. I don't know that the other little kids are thinking thinking about all this stuff. Anyway, I even wrote about it in my high school yearbook. And that interest got me into psychology. And I ended up doing a master's degree in applied social psychology. And that led to a 27-year career in health promotion And specifically, I worked in the areas of tobacco cessation, education, heart health promotion, and addiction and mental health educational publishing. And in my last job, I had that job for 19 years. And about 15 years into those 19 years, I started to realize that I was bored. And I was a little confused about why, like what I was feeling. I had a great job. I had great benefits. It looked really great on paper. (laughs) And the job was so stable. And when I started the job, I was engaged. And by that time, I had three mat leaves at that job. I had five weeks vacation. My benefits were great. And I just didn't understand what was going on with me. 
of course I was getting older. (laughs) (laughs) As we do, right? (laughs) Yeah, getting a little older. And I was turning 50. And I guess I started to think life is passing me by. I noticed I was very distracted at work. If I could multitask and not focus on what I was doing, all the better. And I just couldn't understand what was going on with me. I actually thought I might be depressed. And I spoke to my doctor about that, but it turned out that wasn't it at all. (laughs) (laughs) So I started to do some work to figure out, well, if something is off, like, what is it that I want? So I realized that I really wanted to work with people directly. And in my job with educational publishing, I was helping people, but it wasn't direct. And I also figured out that I thought I probably wanted to work for myself. I started to think about, wow, I thought I would be an entrepreneur by now. And then I kind of forgot how old I was. I was like, oh, my God, I'm almost 50. <laughs> that still hasn't happened. And then I, the other thing that was hard for me to put my finger on, but I, I realized that as stuck as I was and as confused as I was, the thing that was missing was that I had this kind of urge to grow. And, you know, I was in a job for a long time and there were several reorganizations and I just hadn't felt like I was growing personally. And I guess the bottom line was I realized I was afraid of having regrets. And if things kept going the way they were going, I was pretty certain that I would have regrets. And the the other thing that I kind of figured out was I wasn't very proud of it, but I was fearful. I was thinking, wow, what? I've never been like this before. If there was something I wanted or if I thought I might need a change, I would just go go about getting the job done. But I couldn't figure out exactly what I was afraid of, but I was definitely fearful. And then one day I got that proverbial knock at the door and <laughs> I was laid off. I thought I was stable, but I wasn't. <laughs> the job wasn't, I was. Right, right. So I don't know if any of your listeners have had that experience. I'm sure they know somebody who's had that experience and it's pretty stressful. There's a very uncomfortable meeting that takes place and, you know, it was tense and it's harsh. It's very harsh to hear that you've been laid off. My manager assured me that it had nothing to do with my performance, which was so sweet and it was such a kind thing to do. But anyway, there was a room full of people. It was very stressful. My face was red. My heart was beating out of my <laughs> out of my skin. Right. And so even with all the stress and I'm trying to figure out what my layoff package is, I could barely concentrate. I did recognize that I had this tiny little glimmer of glee. <laughs> it was actually <laughs> it was hard to to recognize with all the the heart beating stuff that was going on, but I really did realize that there, this might be good. <laughs> and it's like a little like invitation for an opportunity. Yeah. Teeny, like, like those, the Whoville, you know, and like, <laughs> right. like, am I, what am I hearing? Could this actually be good? I think it, <laughs> it might be scary. I don't know. Okay. Well, listen again. So anyway, I, at that point, I, I had a very wise colleague who suggested that I come back another day on the weekend to pack up my office which as you can imagine, after 19 years, there was a lot of, right. there. she said, no, I think you should come back on Saturday and I'll come with you. So you don't have to take that walk of shame. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> so sweet. So that's what I did. And then, you know, I went home and, and the idea that I had been given a gift was starting to become more clear. It did take a few months to really calm down. And I hired a life coach. 
a life and weight coach. And that's really what blew my mind. So as I was searching, how can I work with people directly? And I really wanted to work for myself and I wanted to help people. I knew I needed some help myself and I wanted to lose some weight. And so I hired a coach and I could not believe how quickly I was having insights that I'd never had before. Awesome. The biggest insight, which as long as nobody laughs at me, (laughs) with me, was the reason I discovered my coach asked me, why, why have you chosen to be that weight, the weight that I am? And I said, without batting an eye, I said, well, it's harder for me to lose weight because I'm only 4'10". (laughs) I'm not a tall person. And I actually believed that it was harder for me to lose weight because of my height. And then she showed me the way of how that thought created feelings of hopelessness and that I had no control. And that blew my mind because I had just accepted (laughs) <laughs> and it was harder for me to lose weight. It is a fact that people who are 4'10 <laughs> cannot lose weight, right? <laughs> has nothing to do with the fact that I'm the one actually putting food into in your mouth. mouth, right? You can't possibly be the one responsible for this. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. So that was really what showed me that the, the power of mindfulness, and that's what changed my life. So I decided that coaching would actually fit the bill for everything I was looking at. And I decided to train where she trained. And that's what I did. And and that's how I became a master certified life coach. And also I decided to specialize as a midlife coach because I love this transition period. I find it so exciting and full of opportunity. Right. Now you are also married to a doctor. So you are intimately familiar with the inner workings of the medical community. I am. So I definitely understand the demands of being on call. And my husband loves his job. And he didn't experience the same sort of career malaise that I did, which was interesting. I'm always asking him because he's about the same age. We're in our early 50s. And and I'm like, yeah, you're still happy? He's like, yeah, I'm still happy. <laughs> so <laughs> I, did, I did notice that what he has done over the last 10 years is he has been taking on more leadership opportunities. And that allows him to make some change. And I think that's certainly an opportunity I did not have. So yeah. he's been able to tweak things along the way and, and he's very satisfied. But yeah, I do understand what it's like to, to be the spouse of somebody who's on call and sleep deprived. Right. <laughs> so do you think though that a lot of his satisfaction in, in his job is because he's constantly creating some sort of new goal for himself or some sort of new challenge or you know, some sort of new responsibility? I do. I do. And he really enjoys... Yeah, he just legitimately enjoys what he does. But I think it really is that change. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm watching him grow Mm -hmm. himself. And even though he didn't, he never said that to me that I want to grow, but I can see he's very intentional about taking on more responsibility where he can. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's awesome to watch. Have you noticed any sort of trend that the kind of the midlife funk, like that kind of stagnation that people will kind of feel any association with menopause at all? empty nesting or any of that? Or can it really just be anybody? Because I'm thinking there's probably people who are experiencing a lot of this kind of stuff, but are 40 or 35. (laughs) Definitely. I've had, uh, I had somebody recently ask me, I don't have any kids, but can I feel like I have empty nest without the nest? (laughs) Right. (laughs) I said, absolutely. Because I think 
Midlife technically, I guess, is around 40. Most of my clients are 40-ish to 65-ish. Many are turning 50, but it really is about the transition. So what I do notice is that people tend to feel stagnant when they haven't really thought about what they want in a couple of decades. That's what they have in common. So sometimes menopause syncs up with that Mm -hmm. uh, timeline and sometimes empty nest usually syncs up with that timeline. But really the last time many of us have really thought about what we wanted, we were either graduating from high school, graduating from university, graduating from, well, even before med school, Mm -hmm. right? Or during in the early stage when you have to decide what direction you're going to take. Right. You basically decide, okay, I want to become this, you know, specialty. And then this is the process. And you go through that process. We're having this idea, right? That then I'll be in attending. And then, you know, I'd like to maybe be married and have a family, not really having a very concrete idea of what exactly that will look like, but some idea, a goal. Yeah. You're on that road. Yeah. You usually don't go back to the beginning of the road at that point. Right. To, and But that really, to me, that's what midlife is about. It's that transition period where you get a wake-up call one way or the other. So the kids are leaving or they're thinking about leaving. <laughs> one kid leaves or your last kid leaves. Mm-hmm. Menopause can shake you up. A lot of times it's a milestone birthday. Mm. Sometimes it's somebody dying or yeah. coming ill. Yeah. And so there's some kind of a wake up call or or like what happened to me, I did have some there were some deaths of people close to me and people who got sick. But really, all of a sudden I was bored at work and and didn't have a clear idea of what was wrong. That had never happened to me before. Mm -hmm. So there's something that goes on in that transition. And what I see is that people really haven't pressed pause to think about what's going on. They've been in a chaotic blur. They've been earning money. They've been paying down mortgages, paying off debt, dealing with kids and the kids transition Mm -hmm. that they just have not put themselves first and pressed pause to say, Ooh, I don't think I'm as happy as I could be. Right. We're not even putting themselves first, putting themselves just on the list (laughs) at all. (laughs) Exactly. The list. Yeah. And you know, what I feel like I hear from so many of the physician clients that I work with is that they are, if they have any goals, the goals are all about kind of keeping life afloat in the sense of, you know, making sure the kids get all the things they need and get to the places they need to go to and, you know, the attention they need and the housework and, you know, our relationships. Although a lot of times the marriage isn't getting the attention that they wish it would or think that it could. And, you know, so it's a lot of like just treading water kinds of goals or maybe goals about, I'd like to be more organized. I'd like to declutter the house, like some things like that, mostly because we think we'll feel better if we do that, which oftentimes we do because we can find stuff and we don't have all the visual clutter and just like all that, you know, physical stuff in our, in our spaces, but they're not thinking really so much about, what's going to happen once the kids leave. Like they might have an idea of, I'd like to retire at such and such an age. You know, my financial planner has helped me come up with this plan. If I save this much, I'll be able to retire then. But in terms of, you know, what hobbies do you like? What things do you like? Who are you? (laughs) What do you like to do besides spending time with your family? You know, I think that really what's different for physicians is that, you know, we all pretty much have interests in undergrad and then med school really kicks in. And then you really, I mean, for the most part, for the vast majority of us, 
I mean, you have to let them all go, like every interest. There just literally is no time for any of that. And then I think that that persists for so long that you kind of forget that you ever liked other things, that there was anything to life besides that. And then, you know, like me, I mean, I got pregnant at the very end of residency and then literally took my boards and a couple of days later had my first child. You know, I mean, there was like no downtime, no breathing room, no like, what is it like to, you know, work semi-normal hours and make some money and not have family responsibilities. So then you're all caught up with having the kids and you feel like you're behind because, you know, everybody else has already had a couple of kids and you need to turn a few out. And then before you know it, you're like, wait a minute, like, who am I? What do I even like? I mean, it's kind of hard. I mean, I think it's a real, real issue. So how do you approach like, how do you start figuring out what you even like or want. <laughs> oh, that I know. I love how you described all that. And that's the chaotic blur. You're just yes. so focused and you haven't opened up that roadmap in decades. Yeah. So it, this sounds so silly, but the, the best question I have for people is this, and it really cuts through it. But if you won the lottery, what would you do? Totally. Now, right away, oh, most people can, an image of something they love pops into their head something that they wish they had more time to do, some image of something that they used to be passionate about. So for me, if I win the lottery, the first thing I think about is whale conservation. I want to do something. I love whales. I want to go on more whale watches. I want to see if I can help research and science somehow. I want to be on a boat more. But if you ask anybody, right away, something will pop into their heads. They get out of their own way for just a second. Yeah. Money was no option if you won that lottery. So I love that question because it just lottery winnings and winning big and not having to work and not having to worry. It just kind of opens the door to dream. So when the door is not that easily accessible, sometimes we need to think about it intentionally. So, you know, I really help my clients to press the pause button and just really think about, think about the same thing. Like, and, and that just, that gets it started. Another kind of strategy that I've used with people is about envy. And I had a, an experience with envy that I just found so insightful. I was doing a needlepoint project for my kids. I don't know if uh, you know much about needlepoint. I know you're Not crafty. a lot, a little bit. My mom is like the crafty person. So I do know she has done needlepoint. <laughs> well, there's a lot of grandmothers that have done needlepoint. Um, I was doing a project for my kids and I wanted to do a more complicated stitch. So I ended up having to go to the needlepoint store. Who knew? So I go to this needlepoint store and I was bowled over by how beautiful it was inside. There were canvases all over the walls, like all over the walls beautiful threads and all the colors. And the thing that really blew me away, first of all, that there was a needlepoint store, but there was right. a table, <laughs> there was this tall table full of like six women learning needlepoint, needlepoint stitches and beads. And, and the owner of the store and her assistant were teaching the, the women around the table these stitches. And then I realized that the owner of the store was passionate about needlepoint her whole life, And she had this business that was her hobby, her passion. And I had such envy that I didn't even know that I wanted. It's not that I wanted a needlepoint store, (laughs) but I couldn't get over the fact that she made a career 
out of not just selling canvases, not just sharing what she loves, but all of it. She figured out how to make a package. She had the flexibility of pursuing something she loved and teaching others. And I was just beside myself. So it was that experience of feeling envy, which is not something I feel that often, but I felt envious. And I go back to my public sector union position (laughs) that I had for decades. And I was like, wow, there was... There's something going on in my mind that is important that I'm not paying attention to. And that's what kind of reminded me that I always did want to be an entrepreneur. I just didn't really figure out. I dabbled over the years, but I just never really figured it out. So that's what I would encourage your listeners to really think about is, have you found yourself envious? And if you have, why? Ask yourself why. Was it somebody that was staying home with their kids? Was it somebody that had more flexible job? Was it somebody that traveled? Was it somebody that had more free time? Somebody that was back in school? Just notice if envy ever pops up, don't be hard on yourself. Take it as an opportunity to ask you why, what's, what's missing? Is there something I can learn from this unusual feeling? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so good too. And I think that when you have envy for someone or, you know, whatever perceived, you know, life that they have, it doesn't even necessarily always mean that that is exactly what you want. I kind of saw that for myself when I was, you know, basically leaving my practice and and wasn't totally quite sure what my life was going to look like. And people were worried for me and that I would have I'd be bored or whatever. And I was always like, look, I have lots of interests. I'm not, I won't have a problem. The thing is like, I had lots of interests and no time to really explore any of them for the most part. And so I wouldn't really call them hobbies. They were interests, right? Hobby means that it's something that you have an interest in and then you have actually like explored and spent time (laughs) working towards. I I hadn't gotten that far, but there were lots of things that I wanted to learn about. And I just didn't think it would be a problem. I had confidence in my ability to entertain myself. (laughs) It was something. So then when I quit working before I went to my coach training, I did have a couple months period of time where I was the kind of quote unquote stay at home mom. And I had always kind of thought like, oh, that would be so fun. It would be so great. And it what immediately I noticed some differences in my relationship with my kids and, and that was good. But I also rapidly realized how bored I was and that you know, for me, maybe I just hadn't figured out how to do it right. Or I I mean, there's no right, of course, but I was kind of like, you know, well, I'll tell you what I was doing. I was spending more money than I normally would. (laughs) Interestingly, because I wasn't bringing in a paycheck yet, I was then feeling bad about that, which is so interesting because I had never, even though I'd always made way less money than my husband, I'd never had issues around that. I always thought it was our money. I contributed, you know, it's 50-50, no big deal. And then as soon as he was the, the one making the money, I was like, oh, should I be doing that? But yeah, so in any case, I think that having the idea of like, oh, stay-at-home mom is what I want. I should quit my job and do that. Like maybe what I really just wanted was more flexibility. You know, the perceived idea that a stay-at-home mom can go do this in the middle of day can go take the kids to the pool on a, on a nice day. You know, if I'd had a job with more flexibility within medicine, I could have maybe figured that out. Cause of course the goal is not that every doctor should quit. We can't have that. I mean, that would be terrible, right? <laughs> it's not going to work. But what we want is for doctors to be able to find the exact job that works for their 
lives, you know? So what's so interesting though, now I still don't have a job where I just take off and take the kids to the pool on a nice day, right? Because I have to work. I always think people, it's so funny when they're like, how is it not working? I'm like, no, I work all the time. (laughs) This podcast does not produce itself. (laughs) But, But you know, but it's totally different because I don't look at it like this chore, this hardship. It's something I want to do. Whereas, you know, I mean, I could have just used so much coaching. My thinking was terrible when I was in practice. So I think if I had turned my thoughts around, I really could have enjoyed, you know, that current job that I had so much more, or, you know, maybe found something else. What I find so interesting too, is just the stories we tell ourselves. Like I had this whole story about that. I knew what the possible pediatrician opportunities were in my area and we couldn't move because my husband owns his practice. And now in hindsight, I'm like, you know, but I really didn't spend any time really looking into it. I just kind of thought about, you know, who do I know and what kind of jobs do they have? What have I heard about? (laughs) I'm so glad you brought that up because when I talk to my clients about this, when when they have career malaise, they're unhappy about their work situation. I talk to them about regret proofing. And the way I think about regret-proofing their lives, it's about what they can do in advance so they don't have regrets going forward. And there are three areas I talk to them about. The first one is the area of work or contribution. The second one is relationships that they have with others and what what regret-proofing can be done so that they don't have uh, problems that they could have avoided and regrets. And the third one is the regret-proofing your relationship with yourself. And so when it comes to contributions, I really push my clients to think about not just leaving. Leaving is one option and exploring all of the different possibilities if you decide to leave, but also really challenging yourself to explore the crap out of the <laughs> the opportunity you have with the training that you have. Right, right. And because physicians are such overachievers and really know how to dig in and do research, that's what I want to see with my clients. I want you to really explore absolutely everything that you could do with the training that you have and take it on like a project and really dive in. And then you can also explore other options, but but then you won't have any regrets. Like if you really turn over every possibility. Right. And I love... And you know, for sure, there's you, there was no stone left unturned. These were really all of the options and this was the best choice for you. I mean, I'm lucky because it all worked out. You know, I'm glad that I can be now the person that I was looking for. You know, like I wish I had a me when I was in practice, but I think for other people, it really, you know, we just think we're stuck. Uh, yeah, and because... When you think you're stuck, it's actually indulgent. It really serves you to think you're stuck because then you don't need to do the work. Right. You don't have to do anything hard. No, nothing hard. I'm stuck. And you can tell all your friends that you're stuck. (laughs) It's like wanting to lose weight or committing to lose weight. A hundred percent. I'm stuck. I'm also confused. Yes, right. (laughs) And I'm very indecisive, right? It's like, oh, okay. So it just really keeps you stuck. Whereas if you can tweak your thinking, one of the mindfulness strategies that we talk about are these bridge thoughts. You could say, I'm learning to unstick myself. I'm learning what I can do to be happier with my training. I'm I'm open to the idea that I could be wrong that there's nothing else yeah. for me. There's, possi- there's, there's a possibility that there's a solution out there. Exactly. And yeah. I love just looking at what you've done, Katrina, because you didn't even know that this was an option for your career 
Right. A short time ago. Right. <laughs> right. And if yeah. you weren't open to it, first of all, yes. you didn't let the fear of the unknown stop you. That was the first thing. Yeah. You were open. Which God, there was a lot of unknown. I literally wow. did not know one thing about anything. Like literally <laughs> zero <laughs> about running a business. It's been yeah. Steve. That's just so great because you you ended up because of your openness and you you leaned into it rather than retracted back. And that's what, what got you to where you are to find something that really worked for you. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that is so good. The, you know, being stuck kind of a thing. I think, you know, you always also talk about sort of feeling like you're in a funk to kind of like, yeah, you're stuck and you're funky, right? You're like, life isn't what I thought it would be. I thought this was supposed to be so great. Once I got to attending hood, actually I have more stress because now I have kids and a spouse and a house and debt. And, you know, I'm the primary breadwinner and I can't do anything different because we won't have enough money and we still don't have any enough money. And right. It's just like this whole, like, wait a minute, this is everything I've worked so hard for. This isn't great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it can be like that. And I love the word funk to describe that because it's like, yeah, something is off. Yeah. I know not a lot of people use the terminology midlife crisis anymore. Um, And I like to think of a funk as a small crisis, like a small, not a big Right. Something is off. I'm not as happy as I want to be. I'm just not as happy. Some people describe it as being in flow. Mm. Something is just off. And I guess what I really like to teach my clients is that you can accept that it's normal for you to want to grow versus what's wrong with me. I should be happier. Mm. Really think about it, especially with the physician community. I mean, you guys studied for a very long time and you are always challenging yourself to grow and learn and do. And, you know, when you get into a practice and you've been doing it for 10, 20 years, of course it would be normal for somebody with your kind of background and training to continue to want to grow and learn. And you get into, you know, well, I I have not been in that type of a practice. Mm see what goes on. Yeah. yeah. You're just doing the same thing for a long time. And I think it's just, you know, part of human nature to want to grow, you know, like it's not something we can really control. Like there's a reason that, you know, humanity is now what it is. And it's because we're innate problem solvers. We want better for ourselves, right? Otherwise we would still be like rubbing sticks together, trying to create a fire, right? Like it's just, you know, there's got, this is something that's in all of us that we, you know, sometimes are suppressing to make sure we have the needs of everyone else met or things like that. And how you want to grow and how you want to continue learning may be within the field of medicine, right? Like you might be somebody who wants to do a new fellowship or you want to just really become an expert in something or you really want to learn more of the business component, be able to advocate for the people in your practice or your group or, you know, something like that. Or it might not be job related at all where you're like, you know, actually my job is fine. I really want to grow in this other avenue, you know, whether it's, you know, in terms of my relationships, my religion or spirituality, these other hobbies that I have, getting back to playing sports again, if that's something that you like, you know, doing things that are actually fun, not because you think you should or have to, or that's how you're going to get skinny again, or, you know, what people will think, like really tapping back into who are you, and then not believing the story that you don't have time, because you absolutely have time. (laughs) 
I love that. That's why I like to think of regret proofing in those three spheres, because you could definitely fix your unhappiness, perhaps with the thinking that goes along with your contribution. It could be the relationships in your life, but exactly what you said, it could be the relationship you want to have with yourself. It could be around weight. It could be around travel. It could be around yoga. It could be about experiences you want to have or skills you want to develop. And for some people, really focusing on not having regrets in this sphere is extremely satisfying mm-hmm. and has spinoffs in all parts of their lives. Definitely. It's really pressing pause and thinking about what have I always been curious about? What have I always been passionate about? And I do one exercise with my client where I ask them to take a happy walk through their lives. And we go through each of the significant phases in their life, like elementary school, junior high, high school, um, and then, you know, university, and then then other milestones when you got married, and just go through different chunks of time. And I asked them to pick out one thing in each phase that made them happy. And then we look for patterns. And what I found is that whatever it was that has always turned your crank will always turn your crank. Mm, that's so if- cool. I had one client recently who, I had two clients actually, who both kind of forgot that they were writers. <laughs> they, always wanted, they always thought of themselves as writers, but it had been buried for decades. So good, right? Because like a doctor, you know, if you love to write, you can write articles and get them published or you can do what, you know, there's so many different things that you can do with that. Even That's so amazing. A blog is an amazing yeah. for people who have always wanted to do that, but are Mm -hmm. dominated by the scope of a book, for example. Yeah. That that really blew me. It just blew me away because there it was clear as day when we did this little happy walk through their lives, but they didn't see it. And these are, you know, very bright, accomplished people. Yeah. But they're just so stuck that they just couldn't see one of their passions. Yeah. It was a beautiful thing. I loved it. That's so good. So good. So Susie, thank you so much for coming on and telling us all about this. So for sure, people, everybody who's listening, who feels at all stuck, uh, needs to get your tips. So tell us all about that. Okay, great. Well, I've got an awesome freebie. It's called 10 Surprisingly Simple Ways to Bust Out of Your Midlife Funk. You don't even have to be in midlife to be in a funk. You can. I honestly think at 35 and up, you need to get this because you're probably in a funk if you're a doctor and you're 35 or older. <laughs> well, it's free and it's for you. And I awesome. just talked about a couple of the tips, but really they're just some, some great tips to just get you going again. Good. Find that mojo and start thinking outside the box. And you can find that at www.susierosenstein.com slash midlife funk. Okay. We'll put that in the show notes for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Good. And then if you, if anybody wanted to talk to you maybe about coaching or just get some of your input um, into what's going on for them, how can they get in touch with you? Well, I offer a free mini insight consult session. Everybody can use some more insight and perspective and it's a 20 minute consult and you can just sign up for it in a time slot that suits your schedule. And you can find that on my homepage at susierosenstein.com. Awesome. And then last thing, you have a podcast coming out. By the time this airs, I think it's either going to be out or very close to it. So tell us the name of that so we can search for it in iTunes. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited about that. It's coming out in July and it's called Women in the Middle Podcast. 
Awesome. It's going to be great. You guys are going to love Susie's podcast. She is so much fun. She's fantastic. And she's such a good coach. So for sure, these are some great, great tips for you guys. All right, Susie, thank you so much. Thank you, Katrina. I love being on. And I hope that, uh, you know, everybody embraces the defunkification. (laughs) For sure. All right. Take care, Susie. Thanks for joining us on Weight Loss for Busy Physicians. Now, take the next step and go to KatrinaUbelMD.com to download just what you need. Join us again next week for more support to keep you in control and on the path to freedom around food.